OU Insider subscribers, Coach Brian Clinton enthusiasts, and for anybody watching on YouTube who thought Brian's hat was a UFC hat, like me, initially, it is not a UFC hat. Going to ask you about that in just a second. I meant to ask you that before we recorded. But anybody who thought that as well, anybody who is both loving and also freaked out that it's 85 degrees in February outside right now, uh, this is the podcast for you because... It's another episode of the Oklahoma Drill, fueled by OU Insider and the Rivals Network. My name is Jesse Crittenden, and I am joined, as always, by UFC's own Brian Clinton. Brian, what hat is that? I thought it was a UFC hat. No, it's a Life Church hat. It's a Life Church hat. I do dabble dabble in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That is something most people probably don't know, but I do Do dabble in that. You dabble? Yeah, I dabble. What does dabbling look like? Uh, it means I'm a white belt and I would never step foot in a ring uh, or an octagon, I guess they call it. Uh, but I mean, it's fun. I've been, I, I, I haven't been in a couple of months, but I, I have like seven months experience, eight months experience. So it's fun. Heck yeah. I kind of want to spend the next 40 minutes talking about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, to be there honest you with you. <laughs> I couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you enough. <laughs> I just, anything you could tell me would be interesting and informational. It's all because... about like leverage and underhooks and having, you know, discipline. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's good. It's good stuff. How about for anybody who's never been in a fight like, like me, do you think it would be, think it'd be useful? Yeah, it's a good way to avoid helpful? a fight. Yeah. It's a good way to avoid one. I'm just so like, intimidating and menacing on my own. Yeah. You People are. will just avoid me. As they, the they opposition know. in in the Oklahoma drill, yeah, um, yeah. That's why that. you agree. You agree with everything I say. That's yeah. that's why I should have known. People look at me and they're like, "Don't mess you with don't that guy." Don't mess with that guy. <laughs> that gangly, uncoordinated, red bearded mess. We don't. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to mess with that guy, Brian. We should do a podcast at some point about Brazilian Jiu Jitsu because that would be interesting. But that is not what people yeah. are here. To talk to learn about, maybe we'll do an extra, we'll do a bonus episode sometime because I genuinely would be fascinated. But people are here because they want to hear us talk about Oklahoma athletics specifically. They don't want to hear me stammer through words either. They want to hear us talk about football and softball specifically. And let's start with some softball, Brian, because Oklahoma is nine and oh after their first two tournaments. Uh, five of those wins have come by run rule. And it's so funny because uh, Patty Gasso's media availability yesterday, um, she said, I thought we were good enough to win, but she said we were more average than we were above average and definitely more average than exceptional. And she actually said the goal this week is to ramp up and practice because it's showing on the field. She actually specifically mentioned 
She said that the McNeese state coach approached her last year and said how impressed he was about the way they warmed up. And then she actually told, she actually said at the cowgirl classic over the weekend, she said that she thought McNeese state outworked them both in warmups and on the field. She actually said she was a little embarrassed. So I think it was sending the message that yes, we've won three titles in a row. Yes. We're the favorite, but we can't coast. You gotta, we've got to find joy in the process of doing things, can't get complacent, all of that stuff. But I think she's hammering that really hard because her messages after both of the first two tournaments have kind of been the same. Brian, is there is there much to complain about after this nine and zero start? Is there is there anything that stood out, or is it just a coach trying to motivate their team? So, I I took some time, as you know, I I, I cover the entire league. Um, for for another publication, but I took some time looking at some of the stats for OU softball. Uh, the 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 circle they've been great in the circle. They've been great on defense. Uh, you know I think they they rank third nationally in ERA, and I believe they're they're top ten in in fielding percentage too. They might be top five. But um, the batting by their standards now. Hear me out. Like, okay, this is going to, it's going to sound ridiculous because they're still like right around top 20, top 25 in most statistics, but their, their, their batting average has been, has been down. Um, it, it has. This point. Mm-hmm. They're, they're batting 346 as a team, which, you know, generally that's, that's really good. Uh, but, but this is a team that we've seen come out the gate well over 400 in each of the last two years. Uh, they've, they've looked fantastic at the plate, but more, it's just really surprising that Jada Coleman's not higher up there than she is right now. I think she's kind of struggled a bit, uh, with as far as, as, uh, making contact. Uh, and then the slugging percentage is, is down too. it's they're, they're at 581, which again, these are, these are stats that, you know, to most teams, they would, they would be very happy with this, but I think with what Oklahoma has on the roster, it's just not, it's not good enough. It's not good enough for, for what Patty Gasso uh, demands from her team. And while that may not be perfection, it's pretty close to it. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the offensive side of things has been a little lackluster by their, uh, by their standards. Eight to nothing um, is, is total, uh, that's domination uh, in every sense of the word in a game of softball. But I think, you're seeing some instances where maybe last year, uh, which, you know, it's not really fair to compare this team to a 61 and one team, but that's, what's going to happen naturally. Right. So uh, last year you may have seen the score instead of it being eight to nothing in five, it may have been 13 and nothing in five innings. Uh, and that just hasn't happened yet to, to, uh, to Patty's point. So, yeah, I, I think there are some things if you are looking at it from her perspective, because, they're trying to build upon an almost perfect year last year. So um, it, it's, 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 it's going to be, du- it's going to be tough to find ways to motivate your team, but right now numbers don't lie. And I guess that does give her something to really harp on going into to week three. Yeah. I would say good, not great offensively. I think that's, yeah. I think that's the best way to summarize it. And I think that's kind of along the lines of what you've said. And yeah, I do. It's interesting though, because I, I think it's pretty clear that Patty has taken this, this, this mantra of we're still figuring things out. I mean, Brian, Alyssa Brito didn't play one of the games over the weekend. She just didn't play, not didn't start. She didn't play. 
at all. And she actually mentioned in the media availability yesterday, she was like, there were, she said, I made it a point to not only switch out lineups, but she also switched up players spots in the lineups where they batted. There was a point, I can't remember what game it was, but there was a point in one of those games last week that the only senior on the field was Tiari Jennings. Everybody else was a non-senior. I think, and I think, I think Patty's still trying to, to figure things out about this team. Um, and I think she's also trying to figure out what she has. Like someone like Riley Ludlam, she was great over the weekend, killed it. She was great. And uh, I think, I think that's something that's an optimistic thing to, to, to take in uh, Cassidy Pickering and Ella Parker continue to be awesome as freshmen. Um, Alyssa Brito, when she has played has been pretty great. Tiari Jennings has been good as always. You mentioned Jada Coleman. She was better last weekend than she was in Puerto Vallarta, but still mm-hmm. through nine games, she's batting three fifty five. Um, definitely not up to, she hasn't hit a home run yet. So definitely a little bit below pace from last year. I'm glad you mentioned the defense and the pitching though, because that has been very good pitching and the pitching. And and I actually asked Patty about that yesterday. She was talking a lot about the hitting. I was like, how do you feel about the pitching and the defense? She was like, Oh, they they've been great. They've been fantastic. And specifically someone like Kirsten deal, who was sophomore that really struggled. Yeah. She struggled in Puerto Vallarta. Then she came up against Lamar last weekend, which yeah, Lamar's not the biggest offensive powerhouse they're going to see, but one hit, and 10 strikeouts, no runs, and five innings. That's that's the bounce back you want to see for a true sophomore. Um, so it's, again, it's hard to know how much stock to put into these first nine games. Again, they're 9-0. and oh, they're, they're beating the heck out of everybody. Um, but I definitely think last year through nine games, you were, even, even with the Baylor loss, this team feels a little bit more like a work in progress than I thought it would. Maybe that's been my takeaway through nine games is I think there is there are still things to try to figure out. And that makes it interesting heading into this weekend in California at the Mary Nutter Classic, which uh, softball fans know the Mary Nutter Classic in, in California is like the premier non-conference tournament of the year. Brian, I think Oklahoma is going to get tested specifically against Mississippi State. I think that's that's the first game of the tournament – I believe that game that is on Friday at seven, I believe seven 30 apologize. Um, that's an interesting game. That's that's Mississippi state's really good. And Patty even mentioned that yesterday. Um, what are you looking for from, from this weekend? They play Mississippi state. They play Wisconsin, San Diego state, Seattle, Loyola Marymount. I don't know how much they're going to get tested outside of Mississippi state, but Brian, I mean, do you, I mean, I think, I think that game, that first game could be pretty tough one. Yeah. I think game one and, and game three are really the ones to look at there. Uh, last time I saw Wisconsin, I, I checked in on, on the score to the uh, UCF game last week and UCF, I, I believe beat them 21 to nine and in, in six innings. So Wisconsin might be a little bit down, um, and that were that's where Peyton Monticelli came over from, uh. So so that'll be a little that'll be a fun one for her. But yeah, uh, as far as as far as what Mississippi State and, and San Diego State bring to the table, I mean, look, Mississippi State is one of twelve SEC teams that are in the top twenty-five coming into this week. Uh, that that conference is loaded. Uh, everybody knows that, obviously, and 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 Mississippi State's looked good. Uh, that's a team that's. Uh, they're coming into they're coming into the Marionetter Classic with a lot of 
confidence. They're, they're feeling good about where they're at to begin the season. And, you know, they're eight and one, like at the end of the day, if, if, if you're coming into this with, with Oklahoma as your first game of the, uh, of that tournament, you're going to be, you're going to be, you're going to get up for that game. You're going to be excited about it. Uh, and, and Oklahoma is, they offensively they just haven't looked, they haven't looked right yet. They haven't looked elite yet. So, um, Mississippi state beat Clemson. They beat Utah already this year. Um, they, they've looked great in, in stretches. And so I would, I would be really interested to see how Oklahoma looks in that game. Now, I do like the fact that Patty Gasso has, has said that she feels it's time to ramp it up and practice. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the, the new stadium kind of being, you know, you're getting closer and closer to that on March 1st, that's kind of, you know, in the back of everybody's minds, but I think that her ramping up practice going into this tournament, no, they're not playing, you know, a Washington again, or, or they're not necessarily playing somebody like, you know, for, for lack of a better team right now, Texas or, or Georgia that, you know, they're not facing some of those teams right now, but Mississippi state is somebody that definitely can test them. And then San Diego state, that's a team that was uh, very close to, to making a run to Oklahoma city last year. So let's, uh, let's kind of see how the Sooners look this week. It's important. And what's crazy about this is, You've got this weekend, you've got next weekend, and then Big 12 play starts. So we're already starting to get into the to the meat of the schedule here for, for Oklahoma. When that Big 12 slate starts, things ramp up a little bit as they always do. And uh, it's a tougher league this year. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see uh, what Oklahoma looks like after after maybe not uh, being white hot at the plate uh, for the first couple of weeks. I will say that one takeaway I've had is I think, I think this, if there's, I, I don't know if concern is, I don't think there should really be concern about the offense. I do think that is going to be the main thing to watch this mm-hmm. weekend. I'm going to continue to watch this pitching staff because I think they've been about as good as you could hope. I think Kelly Maxwell has been fantastic. Uh, Brian on the year, she actually leads the team through nine games and in innings pitched. So she's pitched 14. She's been, she's been incredible. Five hits allowed only one earned run, 13 strikeouts. She's allowing a batting average of one Oh nine. That's the one that's one Oh nine. It's like, wow. And I thought she looked really, really good. Um, and like Charles last weekend, I think Nicole may has been for the most part, pretty good. She's, she's just been pretty, pretty good. She leads the team. Uh, in strikeouts with 17 and 13 and or in 13.1 innings pitch. She's only allowed seven hits batting average of, of one, four, nine. I, I mean, really you can't ask for much more than what this pitching staff has given. I mean, not only the fact that OU has given up seven runs through nine games, only four of them have been earned runs and every pitcher. So, so four of the six pitchers who have seen time, have an ERA of zero. Zero. Pretty good. Pretty that's, good. That's what that's what uh that's what happens when you have great defense behind you. The fifth one is Kelly Maxwell with an ERA of 0. 0.5. Yeah. So she doesn't get to count technically, but she's been OU's best pitcher this year. And then Kirsten Deal, who the numbers collectively haven't looked great, but as we talked about, 
she's she looked really good last week and that was a much needed bounce back performance from her but i'm curious to see how this continues to shake out because kelly maxwell the 14 pitches or innings pitched colmay with 13 carly keeney with 11 kirsten deal with 7.2 peyton monticelli with six sj garen actually made her collegiate debut over the weekend but still at the Marionard classic i wonder how much is this going to be we're still trying to get everybody opportunities or how much is this no we're trying to go full throttle we're not messing around too much with going six deep so I I honestly think that this year and and Patty may have have given us the answer to this already and I just missed it but it almost feels like there's going to be so much rotation this year regardless like no you're probably not going to throw in your fourth or fifth against Texas at any point um, or or maybe against Oklahoma State even but I do think that we're going to see a ton of of ton of rotation just as she said earlier in the year there's there's a lot uh, leaving after this year, the, the seniors that are leaving, there is so much, uh, responsibility on on their part to make sure that, that this team is ready to go into the sec. I mean, look no further than, than how many teams enter this week in the top 25. So, you know, from that, from that league. So I think that's important. The other thing is, you know, as, as you know, I, I like to find the silver lining in things like that's, you know, I try to be positive as, as much as I can. And the silver lining here is, you know, as you said, it's not really a concern, but I would rather the early jitters be at the plate than in the circle. I agree. If, if you had to pick one, it would be there because you, you know that JT Gasso is going to get that things figured out. They're too good. They're too talented. They've had too much success at the plate for that to continue. And with the confidence that the staff, the pitching staff is is building uh, without Jordy Ball to lean on is just very promising. I, I like where that where that team is or where that group is at. And I'll just say this, like I, I cannot believe that Oklahoma State let Kelly Maxwell walk or allowed because I mean, I think she, I think this could be just a special, special year for her. No, she's probably not going to put up that, you know, 300 strikeouts or whatever that we saw her have a couple of years ago. But as far as being a part of a staff and, and helping carry this team deep into a postseason, uh, you know, I could definitely see her being uh, the, the ace in that room. But Carly Keeney, Nicole May, as you said, uh, I, I still think Kirsten Deal is going to play a big role. Um, yeah, it's the, the staff's really, really good, and and it's been super promising this far. It has, and I agree with you. I think there is this idea of like we like it. it the the ramping up, I don't think is necessarily about trying to win every single game and that being the priority. I think it's about it's more about setting the standard. And I'm gonna I'm gonna close off the softball discussion by reading what I think was the most interesting quote from Patty yesterday. She said. <laughs> She said, that is what we have to keep our focus on is not so much the outcome, but creating a team that is loving the process, loving each other, loving committing to what we're doing every day. And I think we've been a little sloppy and I blame that on me. Today, I was much more vocal and it felt good. The old me is a little bit different. They experienced the old me for one of the first times this season and they responded to it. And I think that's what they want and that's where I'm going. So I think it's, again, this idea that that it's not about, oh, we got to win 62 games. I think it's, she's she's trying to figure it like and you mentioned like so many of these players are leaving 
next year. I think she's having to juggle a lot. I think she's having to juggle complacency after winning three in a row. I think she's trying to juggle getting this senior group, this special senior group ending on the right note. I think she's trying to get these younger players ready to go and heading into next season. The stadium, the new stadium is next is next week. The SEC is coming next year. There's a lot she's having to juggle. So I think it is, there is less, like it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if Oklahoma dropped a game this weekend. That wouldn't shock me. And I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if they dropped a couple of games, at least, at least during the non-conference and especially during conference play. So that's, that's kind of the emphasis, I think, but this weekend is going to be really fun. I think that Mississippi state game, if you're an OU softball fan, I think that's going to be one you want to tune into all the games this weekend, unfortunately are on flow softball. Um, I have a subscription to flow softball and we will have, so I'll be tweeting about the game. We'll have tons of coverage over at OUinsider.com about this weekend's games, plus Brian's perspective on everything that's going around in the big 12. And the main takeaway so far is Texas is good. Texas is real. Texas is real good. And they're like third nationally in batting average and they're like 500 for getting on base or on base percentage. So yeah, offense pretty good. I think you can make an argument again. We probably hold Oklahoma to too high of a standard, but you could probably make the argument that Texas has been the most impressive team through. I said earlier, I said last week and I'll get chastised for this, but if Oklahoma wasn't a three-time national champion, like if they weren't the the three-time defending national champions, I think there could be an argument for Texas, maybe being the team that deserves to have that number one spot based on what we've seen so far this year. But I also understand and sort of agree with the legacy pick of like, hey, Oklahoma hasn't lost. They've won exactly. five five of their games yep. by run rule. They yep. have just been really good instead of amazing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, and that's the thing is like they should be at that perch until they're knocked off. Like there, exactly. there's not any reason to remove them from the number one spot until somebody forcibly removes them. So I agree. This weekend should be fun. We'll have you covered on OUinsider.com. Brian, before we turn to some football-y stuff, I believe you have a very heartfelt message from a sponsor of this podcast and OU Insider as a whole. Would you like to do the honors? Yes, I would. This one, this one is this one's close to the heart. Uh just just post-Valentine's Day here. 2024 is here and in full swing, and that means it's time for a New Year's resolution check-in with our friends. At Manscaped. Newsflash, it's never too late to up your grooming game and keep your bush tamed. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look great, feel good, and turn the page on, on confidence this year. Whether you're going for a trim that's clean shaven, look, this. <laughs> Whether you're going for a trim or a clean shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide now is the time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer go to manscaped.com and use the code ou insider for 20 percent off plus free strip free shipping the ball has dropped but don't drop the ball on your balls <clears throat> guys this thing is waterproof have i mentioned it's waterproof you haven't because a trim in the shower is the only way that you should start the day and let's face it resolutions come and go but a well-groomed you is here to stay thanks to Manscaped. Again, you get 20% off and free shipping with the code OUinsider at manscaped.com. Embrace a new you and definitely embrace a new trimmer, courtesy of Manscaped. Thank you for the message, Brian. We got a couple of football-y things to talk about. 
First one being this is this, some some preseason projections have already come out, um, and we haven't really touched on them a ton here. I I'll be honest with you, the, the preseason or not even preseason. This is off season <laughs> win projections. That stuff doesn't do a lot for me. Uh, I'll just be honest. I, I don't. It's because it's just pure. It's pure speculation. There's not. I, I don't know. Doesn't do much for me. However, I do think. It, I do think this year is a little bit different for OU because the SEC move is coming. Because OU has just had to replace its offensive and defensive coordinators. I do think this year is pretty interesting. There's been several win projections out there for 2024 um, for the SEC. Uh, I think for Oklahoma, the main one has been seven and a half wins. That is what's up on FanDuel as of, I think, earlier today. They've given seven and a half wins. I think they opened up on FanDuel at six and a half, but I think they're now seven and a half. Most of the projections I've seen, Brian, are seven and a half. I've seen a couple of six and a halves, but I've mostly seen seven and a halves. Well, how do you, again, we're we're six months from the start of football season and we're, but with spring, with, I mean, spring football is going to start in a month, which is pretty crazy to think about. Spring football is going to start. Obviously Oklahoma is going to the SEC that puts a bigger microscope on everything. How do you feel about seven and a half wins? Do you feel like, do you feel like that's about right? Do you think that's too low, too high? I I think it's fair. I guess is probably the best way to put it. Um, considering what Oklahoma's got to deal with on the offensive line, uh, Vegas obviously only has one game to go off of with uh, Jackson Arnold. You know, it makes it makes sense. I think it's a fair, I think it's a fair assessment. Now, six and a half seemed unreasonably low when that number opened up. Uh, I think it's really easy to to find seven wins on that schedule now eight wins a little tougher um and that's why i think you know you get to you get to the 9 10 11 win threshold um it's it's pretty tough and look there's going to be direct comparisons as there always have been between oklahoma and texas and i don't remember what texas's win total is off the top of my head i think it's 10 and a half i wanted to say 10 and a half texas's schedule compared to oklahoma's is a cakewalk next year it just, yeah. it just is. Um, so Oklahoma's got some tough games, especially there to, to end the season. They go on the road to LSU. They're on the road at Missouri. They're on the road at Ole Miss, and they get Alabama at home. So it, it's tough. It's a tough slate to end the year. I think seven and a half is, is fair. I expect them to win more than seven games. I expect them to win more than eight games. But you know, there's a long time between now and when they take the field. And, you know, this is this is one of those uh, situations where I don't pretend to be an expert at gambling, but this does feel like a situation where maybe FanDuel is is trying to jump and and grab and grab some money when they can. And and Oklahoma fans certainly uh, know they're they're they have their fair share of, of overreactions. We we've we've seen them left and right and very passionate fan base. Uh, which is what makes them so so fantastic, and uh, this is the time to to get some of them. And I think Vegas is trying to do just that. My message to people out there is: remember that win total projections from betting sites is all about money. It's all about money. It's not about actually trying to do a deep 
analysis of a team and and trying to really reasonably and logically well thought out put out this argument of how good Oklahoma is going to be it's about money a lot of people are going to see the seven and a half win total and probably smash the over and or whatever but it's it's for money I think it's reasonable to be confident that Oklahoma can win more than seven games I think that's absolutely reasonable I think it's almost impossible to predict Oklahoma's schedule is ridiculous next year. It's stupid. How hard it's stupid. How hard it is. And yeah, that's the thing. I feel good about nearly every position group for Oklahoma. I feel good about Jackson Arnold. I feel good about their running back room. I feel good about the receivers for the most part. I feel good about a lot of the position groups on defense, that offensive line. Again, as we've talked about, you can be elite everywhere else, but if your offensive line is lacking, it's going to be hard to win football games. Especially in that league. Especially in the SEC. And good Lord, it's not a knock on Oklahoma. Like Texas is going to get the benefit of the doubt because they made the college football playoff. So they're going to get more of a, more of the benefit of the doubt than Oklahoma is, but there it can't be overstated how hard of a transition this is going to be. It's going to fundamentally change Oklahoma football going to the yeah. SEC. And you're now putting more on the plate of Brent Venables and this coaching staff, not to mention you're now walking into the SEC with a brand new starter at quarterback, a a brand new offensive coordinator and a brand new defensive coordinator and replacing essentially your whole starting offensive line. That's a, that's a really tough place to be. It is. Brian. And you know, what's, what's kind of nuts about all of it is, the way that their schedule sets up, if if Oklahoma was to get to that nine, ten win range, they they could be in the discussion for a playoff appearance. Like just with how tough that schedule is alone. And to say that to say in one hand how difficult it is, and then, you know, six, eight months from now discredit this team for winning eight, nine games with that schedule, given the hand that they were dealt would just be, at, you know, it would be talking at two sides of my mouth. Cause I, it is, this is an incredibly difficult schedule. Um, I think it, I, I probably am a rare, I'm probably a rare instance. I don't know how much time, uh, you know, just the typical Oklahoma fan that may listen to us has spent watching SEC football in past years, but I, I am a college football addict. Like I, anything that I can find and watch whenever Oklahoma is not on, I, I'm watching it. That Auburn, that Auburn stadium, you know, Jordan Hare is, is going to be, a tough place to go for your very first. And a lot of people look at that and they say, win. You know, Georgia barely got out of there with a win. Alabama should have lost that game um, last year. This is, you know, it's a tough slate. So, yeah, I I don't know. I I would say I'd be confident in hammering over on six and a half, seven and a half, not not necessarily as much. I don't know. It just depends. There's so much. That's the other thing. There's so much that goes into how a season unfolds. Uh, Oklahoma got a couple of unlucky breaks this year. You know, there's, there's some things that didn't go their way and you definitely need some luck to get through the the SEC. 
But here's the other thing. People are going to have to, and Jesse, I, I want your thoughts on this. People are going to have to change the way that they look at schedules and records in a big way this year, huge way, because I'll be, I mean, I'll go out there on a limb and say there may not be more than one team that maybe gets through the slate un, undefeated in, in either the Big Ten or the SEC. The schedules are so much more difficult now. Like there's there's just not an off week in either one of those leagues. And you know, just think about it. You you share a conference now. If you're Oklahoma, you share a conference not only with with Texas, who you you know typically worry about every year, regardless of what they've looked like. But now you've got to deal with Tennessee, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M. If they ever get things figured out, Ole Miss, Auburn. Like there there's big names that you have to deal with on a weekly basis now. So it's just it's just going to look different. Um, it's not quite to the level that you see in the NFL where, you know, you've got a 17 game regular season and you can afford to lose five or six games. But I think we're starting to get to that threshold where two or three games, uh, is, is reasonable, especially if the, if the playoff maybe expands further, or we see more teams from the sec and big 10 have auto auto bids. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to what what do you think about that? Is that is it time to transition into a ten and two season as elite at this point, uh, or do we do we still stick with you need to be undefeated if you're considered a truly elite team? I'll tell you this: this is what I'll say confidently. If Oklahoma wins nine games next year, fans should be ecstatic. Yeah, that is an incredible first year in the in the SEC. If Oklahoma wins nine games. I just I don't know how else to look at it with with transitioning to a new conference with having to again all the new pieces they have trying to rebuild this offensive line they just they won six games two years ago and they're having to play easily one of the top ten hardest schedules in the entire country they've played LSU Bama Missouri Old Miss Texas Tennessee. I, if they win nine games next year, that means at minimum of all those teams I mentioned, they beat at least four of them. And that's, I think if my math's right, I don't know math three, at least three, three of them, three, at yeah. least three of them. That would be a hell of a season. If they, if they come out with all the teams I mentioned, if they win half those games, I think I mentioned six teams. If they win half those games, you take that and run. To me, I, not only because of, again, the transition and everything Oklahoma's going to have to adjust to, but because the margin for error with the new playoff is bigger. And again, Brent Venables has made it clear this is an ongoing rebuilding project, and everybody, including Oklahoma, is still having to get adjusted to the transfer portal impact on on football and NIL. Football's not, it's just not the same. It's not the same as a in a big picture sense, and it's not the same specifically for Oklahoma, who's transitioning to the SEC. So, yes, I do think this year especially, but also moving forward, fans are probably, at least until Oklahoma, unless they surprise this year or they stack really good recruiting classes and, and retain that talent, until Oklahoma wins multiple 10-win seasons and gets 10-win seasons in the SEC – I, I think you have to adjust your expectations a little bit. And to me, if I'm an OU fan, you win nine games next year. I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling yeah. really good, actually. Agreed. Um, speaking of that, 
the uh because i mean we mentioned i mean the playoff that was another big thing this week is they've officially voted to do or they've officially adopted the 5-7 format with the five uh top ranked or highest ranked conference champions plus seven at large bids they've adjusted that since the pac-12 was disintegrated by wiley coyote and the old looney tunes cartoons um it sounds like there's still some stuff that is in the works and it's not it's they're not done tinkering with things but mm-hmm. brian what do you think about the five and, and seven format for for this playoff i was never a fan of the auto bid thing to begin with i i just i i think i think auto i think auto bids almost cheapens the entire thing in my opinion i that just and I'm probably I'm probably getting on a soapbox that I don't really want to, but I'll I'll just I'll just kind of jump in with both feet. If if you're a conference champion and you need an auto bid to get you into the playoff, I mean you really weren't you really weren't worthy of a playoff invite in the first place. Like it, I mean that's just if you're ten and two, if there's twelve te- there's twelve teams now. We're not talking about a four team playoff. Like if there are twelve teams now. They can get in. And if you are a conference champion and you're not inside that top 12, you didn't deserve to be there in the first place. So like, I, I just, I don't know that, that, that part frustrates me. I, I think that it, it does, it does allow a team like Liberty, for instance, to get in and have their opportunity. But did we not watch what happened when they played Oregon last last year? Like, you know, Oregon wasn't even a playoff team. So I, I don't know. It's it's a so it's a sore subject for me. Um, because I do I, I think if I'm being completely candid, I, I think the SEC and Big Ten are on the verge of of playing a different level of football, uh, just given the amount of money that they are starting to bring in this year with with the new lucrative television contracts that they've got they're obviously the the assistant pools are getting bigger they're able to pay their assistants more they're getting all the good coaches or all the better coaches in the sport you're pretty much handpicking who you want all the talents going there already and it's just going to continue to do that as the as the funds swell so i don't know to get into a playoff discussion about auto bids i probably will take all of your time doing that but um five is better than six i'll say that five auto bids is better than six um i do like i I think the one thing i do like about expansion is we finally get to see playoff games in campus settings i think that's so cool like that that's exciting i really do like that and as far as the seating goes like yes if you're a conference champion and you're one of those top four uh, you know, if you're one of those top four ranked co- conference champs, I, I guess it's cool that you get a buy and uh, you like earn that, but I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> so this is where I understand what you're saying, but I would, I would disagree because I just, okay. I think there is, n- there is no fair way to actually evaluate teams. We can assume that the teams in the sec and the big 10 are, are head and shoulders above most teams, mm-hmm. but 
even the idea of what a top 12 actually is, is completely subjective and completely sure. up to what each individual person who is ranking teams, what their criteria is. And there's no playoff system that's perfect, but we accept in the NFL that there's going to be a couple of division winners that are not among the top 12 teams in the NFL or top 14. Also, Cowboys, my favorite Dallas Cowboys, won the division, got a home mm-hmm. game, and got absolutely blown out in the wild card round by the Packers right. when the Cowboys were a heavy favorite. And I mean, the Cowboys or the, the the Packers ended the season really well. And like the NFL and college football are different. But like to me, I just think it's I just think it's good and makes sense to have an objective criteria of what it takes to make the college football yeah. playoff. I, I just because again, we, you and I are disagreeing about how best to do this. Wouldn't it be good yes. to have a system in place that is not about human argument, especially when you and I know covering Oklahoma football, how hard it is to actually watch other teams consistently and to actually have a real feel for how they look. Mm-hmm. Not to mention again, when you're only playing three games out and on or out of conference and it's beca- it's going to become more and more common that teams are not going to take risks in non-conference play. I'm just telling you now that's going to yep. happen. Yep. When you're only playing against your conference, how can you really evaluate how a team would do against somebody from another conference when you're really only playing your conference? Right. I I just, I don't know. I like it. I I agree with you. I think five is better than six. And I do like that it's still keeping some of the college football argument thing alive with seven at-large bids. Because the reality Mm -hmm. is most of those at-large bids are going to come from the SEC and the Big Ten. They They just... They just are. And I don't like thinking about as long as now we can start having a discussion about whether the SEC and the Big Ten eventually break off and do like their own thing, which I think probably will happen at some point or it's very likely that it will. Mm -hmm. I don't like the idea as long as we're all playing in the same thing together. I don't like the idea that the Big 12 champ could be left out because of an assumption that the SEC and the Big Ten are just better and all those teams are in the top 12. I just... You know, I yeah, and and I I would agree that winning a champ like winning a conference should get you in. But I I guess what I guess my argument would be like somebody is going to win a conference at some point and be like eight and four or nine and three. Like yep. it's it's gonna happen, and they're going to immediately become at least a four seed. And like that, just to to me, that feels like it cheapens the whole process. And, and, and until that happens, I don't have a legitimate argument for it. But I, I don't know. Again, maybe, maybe maybe I just need to adjust the way that I feel because you know I, I look at it from from like an NFL perspective. Like for the most part, yes, there are teams that are more talented than others, but at least everybody's working with like the same they're working with the same ability and I just, I think that gap is going to, I don't think the gap exists really outside of perception at this point. I I think that there's a, I I think that there's this perception that the sec is not top. Like there's there's, the sec and the big 10 are not top heavy. And when in reality, I think maybe even back to, to this year or last year, 
the SEC and the Big Ten may not have had the depth from top to bottom that a, that a conference like the Big 12 had. Like the Pac-12 is a perfect example. This year, the Pac-12 was so good from top to bottom. And then you have now those are those teams are all parts of other conferences so i I don't know it's it's going to take some adjusting it's almost impossible to keep up with all the changes but um yeah this is a discussion we could have a full podcast on we yeah you're right and i think the last thing we should touch on is is uh some news that our very own parker thune broke a couple days ago about one curtis lofton who is now going to take more of a general manager role at Oklahoma. Um, Curtis Lofton has been involved with the program for a while, but um, I guess I should also, part of that is mentioning that um, Oklahoma saw some shakeups on, on Monday. Is that Monday? God, I can't, I can't keep everything straight. Uh, Monday, OU lost uh, or is going to lose J.R. Sandlin. Um, to SMU, uh, J.R. Sandlin has been a big part of OU behind the scenes um, for a couple um, or for a couple of years now. He was hired in 2022. Um, he's off to SMU, and OU also hired a new on-campus recruiting director from the Chargers, and that was a big deal. Um, forgive me, her name is Jolie Ale. So I think that's exciting. And yeah, now we're now Oklahoma is elevating Curtis Lofton, former player Curtis Lofton, to become Oklahoma's new general manager. Again, our own Parker Thune broke that. So it'll be interesting to see how what Jolie L does as as OU's new recruiting director, basically. But it's also pretty exciting to see Curtis Lofton, a former player who played for Brent Venables, to become the new general manager. How how cool, how excited should should OU fans be about that? I think it's awesome. It just kind of furthers the family feel, I guess, of of kind of what what Oklahoma seems to be trying to build. Um, there's a lot of former players, for former assistants. For, you know, there's a lot of familiarity uh, in the football staff, and and it's starting to really extend to the support staff. And I, I mean, I like it. I think it's awesome. Um, and the good thing is, is when you when you do that, you're not only hiring qualified candidates but you're hiring guys that love oklahoma or people that love oklahoma and want the best for the university and and part of that there's there's a there's a good opportunity for those hires to have longevity and i think when you have a group of people that stick together for a long time and become familiar um that's how you have that's how you have sustained success. So I think it's a great move. It's awesome. Uh, it's awesome for for Curtis Lofton, and it's a good move for the program. And yeah, it is. It is really cool that that he's now the general manager of college or of of Oklahoma football, and he played for the head coach. So yeah, it's it's cool. I agree, Brian. We are like three weeks away from the start of spring football. It feels like the season just ended like two days ago. I know, and we're yeah. we're we're three weeks from from spring football, and that coupled with OU softball playing in a new stadium next week, with with OU basketball trying to keep its hopes alive of the NCAA tournament, a lot of stuff going on, man. And you and I know what fans should do, what OU fans should do. They should hit the like and subscribe button for this OU Insider YouTube channel. They should also head over to OUinsider.com, become a VIP member because there's tons of cool stuff that you're not going to get here that you will get there. And also tons of stuff you won't get there that you'll get here. 
And one of those things is an an episode of the Oklahoma drill that will drop every single Thursday from Brian and I here and lots of stuff to break down next week. We're going to have reaction from the Marion Nutter classic. We'll have more previewing of OU spring football and any other news that breaks until then we'll be back with you next week on the Oklahoma drill.